We're continuing our series in, on faith, what it means to live by faith. This is from James chapter 2. I'm hoping we're going verses 14 to 24. Lovely. Stand away from it, Laurie, so you can actually see it. That would be good. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if a man or woman claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man or woman. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Wasn't our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he believed when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. Hmm. Martin Luther had a huge problem with this, uh, with this letter because uh, his message was by faith alone. And of course, in the middle here, James goes, not by faith alone. <laughs> and uh, of course, that was partly because Luther, Luther was correcting something that the church had believed for a long time, was that you could earn your salvation. And he was trying to correct that wrong thinking. And of course, he missed what this was actually saying, because it sounded too much like the wrong thing. Faith is evidenced by obedience. Actions, deeds, works. The fact that we believe is shown and displayed to the world by what we do. This whole thing that faith is personalized and private is um, rubbish. That's the word I'm allowed to say out loud in public, isn't it? That's right, yes. But this fact, this... And that's what the world wants us to believe, that our faith should be personal. Now, that's true, because it should be personal, but then it's in private. Your faith's all right for you. Don't you dare do anything that makes people know that you're a Christian. Now, I'm not saying do something stupid and draw attention to yourself just because you're a Christian, but the way we live should those random acts of kindness. Notice how the world wants to detach the actions from faith. As Christians, we need to be remaking those attachments again. Why do we do this? Peter goes on to say in one of his letters, you always have a reason for the faith you have. And we'll always be able to give a real well the faith that the church has clearly is provoking people into realizing that there's faith around so what do we do that provokes faith 
Well, we meet in a school and we sing some songs together every Sunday. But this is key. This is important. This is for us. But what happens the other... What, you're here two hours maximum if you stay for coffee and all the rest of it? What happens the other 22 hours today and the other six days a week? counting like an economist again, uh, not accurately. Um, that's what shows whether you're a Christian or not. This passage, can we go back to the beginning? This passage is absolutely key. You remember we left it last week that living by faith is believing God exists and earnestly seeking him. And what was the last bit? If you earnestly seeking, seeking, what will God do? No, it doesn't say we walk with you. Sorry. It's a scripture. Sorry. He will. And you're not wrong, but it's not what that scripture said. What will he do for those who earnestly seek him? Just to remind you, I put it in the email as well on Friday. It was the last sentence in the email on Friday as well as. <clears throat> so if you didn't get to the end of the email, which was pretty short this week, wasn't it? Those of you who've done any theological training, can you remember that bit? Look straight at Steve, eyeballing him, and Steve's now going, he's not talking, he's not looking at me, is he? <laughs> he will reward those who earnestly see him. See, it's classic, the, the British thing that, you know, well, we can't be presumptuous like that. Well, no, we, we don't do this for any reward, do we? No, he will reward those. It's his promise. In, my glasses are broken, which is why I'm not taking them on and off like I normally do. If I take it off, they're all going to fall to pieces. <laughs> I'm going to keep them on. What If you start from that place that if we believe he exists and we earnestly seek him and he's going to reward us, then this plays into that. It sounds a bit distant to start with. It sounds like a clash. But actually the two need to come into harmony. The two need to be seen together. What good is it if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Basically, what James is saying is here, put your money where your mouth is. Don't just speak. There's so many Christians over the years. You've known them. I'm not saying you've been one of them. But I'll let you work that one out. Where people know you're a Christian because you talk about Jesus and then the way you behave in the office would suggest that maybe you're not, because you're not kind or gentle or, you know. I had a pastoral, head of pastoral care in the school I was, used to teach in. And the kids, he was, he was strict, very strict. But I remember, I remember very early on in my career, I said, look, I can send you to go and see the deputy head, or I can send you to go and see Mr. Topping. Who do you want to see? Can we go to Mr. Topping, please? I said, but he's stricter. He said... Yeah, but he's fair. And he was one of the Christian members of staff. They knew they would be treated fairly, not according to Jeff's mood. <laughs> Which, of course, is where a lot of people are at. They, he, would, he would. His actions spoke of his faith. We're being called to put our money where our mouth is. If we believe he exists and we earnestly seek him, he will reward us. But therefore, we need to do. Speaking words of faith and not following through means that we are hypocrites. 
We got one of the, you know, the envelopes that have gone out. We got one put onto the mat at church. That This is what it said. Return to sender. You pose as Christians, yet you're destroying God's beautiful creation, dash Chesham Boys Common. Lie. We're not building on the car. I'm not going to go there again, but close. You hypocrites. And actually, we're not being hypocritical in the way that... But if we, don't, if we have faith without deeds, we are being hypocritical. And the world can throw that at us. Now, in the instance of the thing, please pray because, you know, please pray. People just understand the truth, really, and just don't believe the lies. But we need to be people. I'm not asking for you to be perfect because we all mess up, we all fail. But does the way, does the fact that you belong to Jesus, does the fact that you carry Jesus, does the fact that you walk with Jesus affect the way you are in the office, in Tesco, sorry, Waitrose, in wherever it is you are? Sorry, what was it? Marks and Spencer's, was that sorry? <laughs> Sainsbury's. It's far too far away, I can't get there. <laughs> but does it change the way you are? Does it change? James is saying, put your money where your mouth is. If somebody is naked and without food and you go, keep warm. Thanks. Do you get that twinge every time you pass the big issue salesperson or do you go? You've talked to them. They're good to talk to, actually, aren't they? They're lovely people, struggling, struggling with life. But we make excuses. We make excuses for why we don't respond. We do. This example looks stupid, because, of course, if somebody was standing naked in front of us, we'd find them something to wear, wouldn't we? If somebody was actually starving in front of us, we'd feed them. We walk past these people every single day. And we walk past these people every single day. You know Maggie's house on um, Green Lane? Thank you. Don't tell the neighbours, for goodness sake, but there's an Afghani family living there who are refugees. Because Jackie and David have opened the house up for that purpose. Isn't that wonderful? But most people would go, is it safe? Can we trust them? Because they're refugees. Talking about guys who've been around to check on them. Oh, Jackie goes up because <laughs> it's just up the road. Lovely family. But anybody else in Cheshire Boys, if they've got property, would be willing to let it out like that? For basically for cost. So that somebody would have a home. Guess, guess what? The family want to move. Because they don't like Cheshire Boys, because they don't feel welcome. They feel welcome by us. Thank God. But they don't feel welcome in the area. 
because they're Afghani and therefore not to be trusted. They must be terrorists, mustn't they? Heard from some of the neighbours along there. We all have a reason. And do you know what? Our reasons get more and more sophisticated every day. Oh, well, you know, charity begins at home. We need, to, we need to give to home charities, not overseas charities. Do you come up, up against that? Yep. Steve and Lindsay are nodding. It happens. Oh, no, no, no. I, I can't give to the work in Guatemala or Honduras or wherever because we, we've got to do stuff at home first. Guess what, guys? It's not either or. It's both and. Should we do this or that? Yes, we should. I had to unfriend a member of my family on Facebook because she was winding me up. Because if she posted another thing that said NHS is just for British people, stop refugees being able to use it, I think I might have gone round and clocked her one. If I could find her. But it's horrible. It's a horrible, horrible ha attitude. We've got to look after ourselves. The NHS is for British people, after all, because we pay for it. Do you know what? If you need it, have it. We only help people like us. Those people are skivers and layabouts anyway, aren't they? But it it's prevalent around us. Maybe we wouldn't say the skyvers and layabouts thing, but we still walk past the big issue salesperson in the middle of town. And we're not saying there's a problem. We're doing there's a problem. And actions speak louder than words. Hey, I've already spoken to him a few times. More often than not, I say hello and I acknowledge them and then walk past them. <laughs> Oh, they go and spend the money on alcohol. Well, if you're worried about that, oh, bless you, Donald. You need, one needs practical people around. Ah. Oh. There you go. Ah. Oh. Um, what was I saying? Uh, if, you're worried, if you're worried they're going to go and take the money and drink, then buy them a sandwich then. There's ways of doing it. One of the first times I met Johnny, we were going to... We were going to something in London. It was a concert, wasn't it? Huh? United Pursuit concert and the rest of it. And Johnny said he'd make his own way there. And we came out of the we came out of the station and we walked down. And I looked down. And I could see a couple of winos, a couple of you know, people living on the street, sitting on the floor. And I realised it was someone who lives on the street. And Johnny was sitting next to them and I'd given them some food and was just spending time with them. When he saw us, he went, oh, I'm going to miss the concert. And he went, but he'd stopped and spent time with them. Hmm. If there's no action, there's no evidence for faith. Verse 17, on we go. What good is it if there's no action? In the same way, faith by itself, it's not accompanied by action, is dead not just action for action's sake, but obedience to the Lord. Well, I, I don't know what to do. What has God said? Open your Bible. He said quite a lot. 
feed the poor, look after the widow and the orphan. Well, that's just for starters. You know, there's so much in the scripture, let alone any prophetic stuff that's come for us personally. I mean, there's enough to get on with in, the, in, in what's in the scriptures. Well, I don't know what's in there. Well, there's only one way of finding out what's inside a book. It's reading it. <laughs> Maybe you think I'm being harsh. Maybe you think I'm being left-wing. Maybe you think I'm being revolutionary. What I'm trying to be is biblical. That's all. Feed the, feed the poor, look after the widows and orphans, set the captives free, let justice roll. Without obedience, i.e. deeds, faith is dead. Faith may as well not exist. We're not a highly holy club who huddle together until we get to heaven. I'll try and say that one quickly. <laughs> but we're not. But that's what we are. We're, we're, it's a hobby for so many people when we come together because we quite like we quite like they're quite nice people at church apart from that vicar you know they're lovely and we can we're not a highly holy huddle hanging on for heaven we're the army of god here to transform the world we're here to get out there and bring the kingdom enforce the promises kindly Justly, lovingly. It's no good just believing. Verse 18 and 19. Someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe there is one God. Good. So do the demons. The demons believe in Jesus Christ. Did you know that? I hope you don't just believe in Jesus Christ, but you believe and trust in Jesus Christ. The demons believe and run from Jesus Christ. We believe and fall into his arms. Look at Abraham. I'm not going to spend too long on that. Abraham, so often the promise comes, Neil, this is going to happen if you blah, 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 blah. Okay. But I want you to do this. And the this looks like the opposite of the promise. Abraham, you're going to have a child. Oh, look, there's Isaac. Isn't that wonderful? Right, now sacrifice him. What? But you... Pro how could, wasn't, uh, I could imagine Abraham's head. Well, I can partially imagine Abraham's head. He must have been so conflicted. Yet, by faith, he says, okay, Lord, I will be obedient. I guess the reasoning is the Lord's done it once, so he can do it again. Being obedient is always the place of faith. I'm just going to ask Wendy to share. She's remembered I asked her. Do you remember? Careful. Mind your pink shoes, dear. We, 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 we describe that colour in, in our house. It's not pink. It's pink! Because <laughs> it shouts at you. I'm just jealous. Yeah, yeah I'll right. get you some the same for Christmas. 
I'm not, I'm not a hush puppy sort of person, really. Um, I think a number of you have heard this story before, because this is not a new story. This happened to me in um, 1985, <laughs> so it's quite an old story. I've been a Christian less than three years, and just after I graduated, I went on a, a YWAM mission trip overseas, and we went to, there were thousands of us, we gathered in a place called Randers in Denmark, saw all sorts of miracles and stuff, it was just amazing. And the end of the week, there was a big kind of gathering in a football stadium, evangelistic, and we'd been out in the city inviting young people in. And from there, we were then going off to major cities all around Europe. And I ended up, ended up going off in a, a team that went to Gothenburg, and we were doing street evangelism and all sorts. And I had in my pocket at this big um, football stadium enough money basically to get me home and there was an offering taken and I'd got my my ferry booked to and from Denmark back to Harwich but I had I had got money in my pocket to get me from Gothenburg back to this place in Denmark and when the offering came round I heard God say give what's in your pocket and I was thinking that can't be right. How can I give all the money that I've got because I'm going to be stranded and I'm not going to be able to get home? And I, and I wasn't even used to hearing God. I'd been a Christian less than three years. I didn't know that I was allowed to hear God like that, but it was so clear. And I think, I think there was an atmosphere of faith over the place. We prayed that day for sun because the forecast was awful and there was an oval-shaped ring of blue sky over the football stadium while the rest of the city was under a deluge of rain. So it was an extraordinary thing. Anyway, I just kind of thought, well, if this is what God is asking me, I need to put all the money in my pocket in the offering. So I did, having literally no idea then how I was going to get back. Anyway, I went off and we had transport from Denmark to our final destination. So I managed to get to Gothenburg. But in Gothenburg, I was then kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to do here. And um, one of the team leaders said, well, there's a, there's a travel agent. Go to the, I'll take you to the travel agent. And, and I thought, OK, that's fine. <laughs> I'm basically going and going, can you give me a ticket for nothing? I don't know what's going to happen here. Anyway, I went in and the team had prayed for me. And the guy behind the desk, that's okay, said, we can, we can change your passage back so that you don't depart from Denmark. You depart from here at no extra cost. And, and I just really, it blew my mind. And that has stayed with me for the whole of my life because, you know, humanly speaking, it was an impossible situation, but God knew and he had it and we can trust him. Sometimes what we're asked to do seems to be the opposite of what makes sense. Yep. Does putting a building up in the midst of a pandemic and doing all that stuff make sense? No. Does opening the church and calling people to faith in the middle of a pandemic make sense? No. When you're struggling with finances, does it make sense to give to God's work? No. Or, yes. And in this case, it's not both. In this case, it is yes. If God is calling you, it makes sense. And he won't let you down. He wouldn't let, didn't let Abraham down, did he? 
Abraham thought he was going to have to kill his son, but God could deal with it. But actually, but God provided another sacrifice. They didn't have to kill him, though it looked like he would. And actually, it was the heart that said, okay, Lord, I'm willing to do this if this is right, that is credited to him as righteousness. Hmm. Wendy literally put her money where her mouth was. In the middle of worship, she handed over everything, really everything she was relying on <laughs> to, make it, to make the next bit happen. We could tell loads of stories, but that one will do. And please, don't, I'm not asking you to feel bad. Well, I've, got, I've, I've challenged you about not walking past people in the street. I've challenged you about all that stuff. But don't feel bad. It's okay, right? Okay, from now on. The Book of Common Prayer, which we do every week at 8 o'clock. And the call to repentance is, and the call to come to take communion is for those who are willing to, to make amends and start a new life, walking with God. Week by week by week, day by day, hour by hour. Actually, I don't know what God is challenging you with personally. Are we people of faith? So, possibly. Should we try that one again? Are we people of faith? Yes. Hallelujah. That's a relief. Are we willing to be obedient to God? Don't answer that one. Are we willing to be obedient when it looks wrong? Let's hear his voice through scripture, through revelation. Let's believe that. Let's respond in obedience. And we will see the kingdom come. It might not be nice and comfortable and fluffy. But it will be the kingdom. So it will be the best thing for us. It will be awesome.